Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food entrepreneurs about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I'm talking with Whitney Singletary. Whitney lives in Berkeley, California, and sells nut-flavored cookies with her cottage food business, Nut and Butter Cookies. Whitney started her unique cookie business back in 2015 and has overcome many obstacles to get her business to where it is today. On this episode, you'll hear how she built up to the point of selling from a storefront in late 2019, only to move back to selling from her front yard when the pandemic hit. She is a single mom of two kids and somehow manages to be open for business five days a week, rain or shine. You will quickly realize that Whitney will do whatever it takes to turn her vision into a reality, no matter what stands in her way. And with that, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the show, Whitney. Nice to have you here. Uh, Nice to be here. So Whitney, can you tell us how did this whole adventure get started? It started with me rebelling against banks. When I first started back in uh, 2015, I had a business plan. I went to my bank that I've been with for like almost 10 years and went in there to try and get some money to get a brick and mortar location. And I was instantly denied, regardless of my credit score, no debt. It was just, no, you're not going to do it because the food industry is hard and you are creating a company with cookies that no one's never even heard of. So we're not going to do that. And I was like, oh, well, in that case, then I was just selling my driveway and I'll raise the money I need to. And it turns out that the city of Berkeley offers cottage food operations. And I said, oh, I can do this legally so I don't have to be harassed by the police or anything or any neighbors or anybody. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I could just set up at any event anywhere in Alameda County, which gave me more flexibility besides being in a brick and mortar. So I could save up the money to get the brick and mortar. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the brick and mortar in a little bit. But what got you even interested in starting this business in 2015? You know, I know you sell cookies. Where did this uh, passion come from? I've been baking for 28 years now. It's been in my blood. My family is all all bakers and cooks. My grandpa used to own a restaurant when I was little. And I used to always be in there. And he never had desserts. There was always a thing where I was going to make the desserts because I always used to bake cookies, cakes, pies, everything. And he died before we got a chance to do that. I always always wanted to have that for me. And that's when I said in 2015, I'm like, it's it. I'm done. I'm doing it. It's my passion. My go-to thing when I am stressed, I'm happy. This is my happy spot in the kitchen. And I'm going to do it regardless if no one's telling me I should do it. I don't have the money to get started. I'm just going to just do it. And I quit my old job and started it. I saw that you that in 2015, that was not the first time you actually sold your cookies. When did you first sell them? Oh, I think that was 1994 or 95. I was eight. And I really, really wanted this toy that my mom said she wasn't going to buy me. So I made some peanut butter cookies, my great-great-grandmother's recipe. And I took those cookies to school, asked the principal, would it be okay if I can sell those cookies after school or maybe during lunch? And the principal said, yes. And to humor me, he bought one. And it was so good, he told the staff members that I was selling cookies. And they all bought all my cookies before lunchtime came. And when I got ready to have lunch, some of my friends were like, where are the cookies? We're ready to buy cookies. And I like, sold them all out. And I was happy that I sold out. But my friends were like sad and depressed because I sold all the cookies where they got any. But I was able to go after school and get that toy. And it's just been in me since then. 
Oh, that's a cool story. And yeah, you said that your it was your great great grandmother's recipe. Yes, great 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 four greats. Wow, <laughs> tell me a little bit about this recipe. This recipe is so old that it used to be in steps where she literally would, she grew her own peanuts. So she would grow them, pull them up, clean them, roast them and turn them into the butter. She would curl her own butter. She had her farm. So she would collect her own eggs and molasses out of the tree. It was like in steps. And over the years, it has got converted down to, you can just go buy some butter, go buy some eggs. But my grand auntie is the one who passed the recipe down to me because she was the main baker in the family that kept all the tradition family recipes going so I was always in the kitchen she was like oh you put a little bit of this in here you do a little bit like this and we always mix it with a fork we don't use none of those fancy mixers so I still to this day mix all of my cookies with a fork really wow no mixer and are you still using that original recipe in your business I am still using the original recipe and those cookies I made when I was eight, I'm still using the exact same peanut butter. So the same cookie I made 28 years ago is the same cookies I'm making right now. Wow. And I imagine you're not pulling up the peanuts and... (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm kidding. But I actually planned on doing that. For our anniversary next year, I wanted to make it, I call it the 1800 cookie. And I wanted to actually grow some peanuts so I have a peanut plant growing right now and so I bought a peanut plant and it's been growing nicely so I said hopefully by next year I will have some peanuts and I can actually make a full batch the way she did the original way and I'm gonna make butter too just so I can say I did it the way it was originally intended to be made wow that's very cool so now tell us a little bit about your cookies they're they're very unique yes for me, when I grew up, I always used to eat cookies and my grandpa's from Texas, so he always had mixed nuts. And so those were my two favorite things and snack wise. So when I grew up, it was just natural to put my two favorite things together. And it turns out that a lot of other bakeries don't use nuts in their products because of the allergen. And I'm like, well, where do people go to get a cookie that has nuts in it besides a, a cookie that has sprinkles of flavoring of nuts? So I started the company by making it being I want to be the only one specializing in all of the nuts. And that's what I did. So I actually offer all 14 nuts. So what, what are some of the most popular flavors that you have? Uh, the most popular flavors, it varies. It's, it's always different. Uh, but I have offered peanut butter, almond, pine nut, cashew, Brazil, pistachio, chestnut, hazelnut, pecan, walnut, macadamia. And my two new ones I've added to the line the Pelly Nut, and the Baru Nut. Yeah, it sounds like just about every nut that's out there. Uh, yes. And you have a couple, you have a seed and a non-nut, right? Yes, I have a, I wanted to keep the tradition of making my cookies different than everyone else. It was like, we're non-traditional. That's just what we are. And so I offer a sesame seed. I offer a coconut. And I offer, a, I call it the Cocomo. It's a chocolate butter cookie. And then I have one that's just a regular butter cookie that's thin and crispy. So I have options for people who don't want nuts, but want a cookie. That's not the same cookie that you can get anywhere. Why did you feel like it was so important to do something that was different from everyone else? 
Well, a lot of people were telling me that when you, it's very competitive, that people can go anywhere and get a chocolate chip cookie. So what would make a person want to buy cookies from me when they can just go to any place, anywhere? And I said, that's a good point. So keeping that in mind, I said, I'm going to make something that you can't get nowhere else. You have no choice but to get it from me if you want what I have. And that's why I created mine so different. So it's my mission to do everything that they don't. Has the niche of having nut cookies, has that been limiting at all? It has not. A lot of people who are looking for nuts or craving nuts are glad to find someone who has nuts. And then because I offer so many, I have a favorite nut for everyone. So if someone loves walnuts and they get one of my cookies, they don't feel cheated by getting a walnut cookie and struggling to find the walnuts in that cookie like some places offer because my cookie has the walnut butter the walnut flour then it has more walnuts topped chopped up mixed in it and then it's topped with walnuts so when you're getting this cookie and walnuts your favorite nut you're getting it through every single bite throughout the whole cookie and you're never left feeling cheated for the cookie the nuts the star and I wanted them all to shine yeah, it sounds like a very unique cookie. And you had the peanut butter cookie recipe from your great, 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 great grandmother. But was it pretty easy to formulate the other cookies from these different nut nuts? It was not. Luckily for me, science was one of my favorite subjects because it turned into a lab experiment because the nut butters all have different oil ratios. And so when you can't just swap out the peanut butter and then put in cashew butter and expect it to be the same, it, it didn't come out that way. It was not that simple. I had to actually adjust the amount of butter I needed, regular butter, adjust the amount of actual nut butter to get the recipe just right so I can get the texture and the flavor that I wanted for each cookie. And then you add extra nuts to it. Those nuts also have oils too. So you have to do a lot of balance and I have perfected all of my recipes because all of my recipes besides the peanut butter one are all mine and so it took some took some time to adjust them to get them the way I wanted but the peanut butter cookie is the base for all of them and I saw that you use organic ingredients yes uh, all of my nut butters are all organic very simple ingredients for like almond butter the only ingredient in it is raw organic almonds and that's it and so a lot of my, I wanted to keep the ingredients simple. Some of my sugars are organic, like the coconut palm sugar and my cane sugar. The flour, I have not been able to find the flour that I like that is organic, that is uh, cost efficient, efficient. So I'm like, mm, for right now, it's not 100% organic, but I do like the, the main ingredients are. And are you just buying these nut butters from the store or are you processing the nuts at all yourself to turn them into the butter? I buy the majority of my nuts uh, online because the stores don't offer the nut butters that I have, like pine nut. They told me it didn't exist. And I'm like, it does exist. I use it when I had ran out. I went to Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, none of the specialty stores that sell non-traditional things. Never even heard of none of the nut butters or the nut flowers that I use. But the Baru and the Pelly nut, I actually make those nut butters because I can't find those with, with simple ingredients. Yeah, I, mean, I was saying it's sometimes hard to even find pine nuts in the store and pine nut butter, I just think, would be next to impossible <laughs> in a local it, store. It is. It, it really is. So you you buy most of your uh, stuff online. Is there a certain uh, website or is it just Amazon? Where are you buying stuff from? 
I buy them from a couple of different spots. It's a vitamin store that actually sells them called a luckyvitamins.com. I found them accidentally because I was on there buying vitamins and I was just browsing through the website. I'm like, where can I find this? And it said that they had pine nuts. And I said, hey, they might have pine nut butter too. And it turns out when I listed the nut butters, it showed me almost all the nut butters I needed. So I, I go to that site and go to a couple of other sites to piece them all together so I can get all 14 nuts. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I know pine nuts, and it's not even probably one of your biggest flavors, but I know they're so expensive. How much do you actually have to spend to get pine nut butter? My pine nut butter comes in an eight ounce jar and is eighteen ninety five a jar. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. It is, but I know how much to use in this jar so I can get enough to make the cookies still have a full flavor and still be cost efficient so it's not breaking the bank so I can still offer the cookie at the low $3 price. Now, with you specializing in nuts, I'd imagine that you're you're not catering at all to people who have nut allergies. Has that ever been a concern? Uh, actually, I do cater to people who have allergies all the time. All my customers are like, oh, I'm allergic to peanut or I'm allergic to such and such. And I have not had anyone have any problems because I don't have any cross-contamination because I'm aware of the nut allergen. When I'm mixing, everything has its own separate bowl, separate spoon, everything's separate. I bake them separately. So if you are allergic to almonds, you can eat the cashew without any worry because there won't be any cross-contamination. Even when I'm packaging them up, they're all bagged individually too. So everything's nice and secure and keep it sanitized that way. And so you don't have to worry about allergen problems. And because I make all of my cookies, when people ask me any allergen question, they can ask me, is there a particular thing in it? And I can tell them right off the way, like for some reason, the pecan butter does have cashew butter in it. I don't control that because that's how the company makes it. But if someone's allergic to cashews, I let them know, don't eat the pecan because it has cashews in that nut butter. And so they're aware. So when you started selling in 2015, you were just selling out in front of your house, right? No, I was actually doing little holiday boutiques and uh, craft fairs around in Berkeley, Alameda and Richmond, selling on my website. And when I moved to the location I'm at right now on uh, in the White Way, that's when I started selling outside because I have a, a full driveway. Before, I didn't have a driveway. Now I do. So I'm like, yes, I got a driveway. I can put a whole full tent, the whole table, the whole shebang. My, my main setup I would have when I did our, our events. Right. So at the events, when you got started, how did it go? Was there a good reception to your cookies uh, or how, how quickly did your business take off? It took off pretty well because the, I felt that if you have a good product and you have a good connection with your customers, they tell other people. It's word of mouth. And that's kind of what got the main start going. When I first started, they were like, even at the events, ooh, where did you get that cookie? Boom. She's the only one with those type of cookies. Everybody just flocked to me and sold out. I was like, ah, I wish I had made more cookies. <laughs> But it is always was one of those things where people are very open to it. And then when I was selling in the driveway, the neighbors were all, oh, let's support. 
and the community that I live in are very supportive. So they tell all their friends and then they tell their friends, tell their friends and people post on their own social medias about if you're ever in Berkeley visiting or just in town or, or in this area, make sure to go by this spot to get cookies. Best in the Bay is what they say. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm, uh, thank you. I appreciate all of the positive feedback. And then the Yelp page helps a lot. Yeah, I saw five stars, right? Yes, it, it was flattering. I didn't even know I had that many stars until a customer told me that they had saw my uh, five stars on Yelp. And because they saw those, they wanted to come try the cookies themselves. And I was like, oh, and I inquired. I was like, oh, my gosh, wow. People are saying all these things about me. I was like, felt so humbled and flattered at the same time. I was like, wow, I'm just being me selling my cookies, making sure that every time I make a batch of cookies, they're good. And if they don't come out the way I want them to, I don't even sell them. So it's nice to have people have all that positive reinforcements backing up the cookies. <laughs> Yeah, you're certainly doing something right. So you were selling at these events, doing pretty well, and then you eventually moved. When did you move into the home where you're selling out in front of your home? The same year I started. I started back in um, March, April of 2015, and then November of 2015 is when I moved over here. And April 2016 is when I had started selling in the driveway. Okay. So you moved to your home and then you started selling in the driveway. Did that increase your business a lot? How did that affect your business when you started selling in front of your house? It did because I was only selling my cookies during events. So when there were no events, there were nowhere for me to sell my cookies. So when I had the driveway, I'm like, look, I could be here Monday through Friday, even when there isn't an event. And so it increased the sales because I was able to sell more often. And you're a mom to a couple kids, right? I am. Two two little boys. How do you manage this business with your boys? <sighs> I've learned to multitask very well. <laughs> but no, my sons are very helpful. They like to be in the kitchen like I was when I was little. They remind me of a lot of me. And so it's nice when they're like, oh, let's come help mommy mix some dough. Let's help mommy put some cookies in the bag. Or they're Tell all their friends, like, you got to make sure you buy mommy's cookies. And it's really nice. Or they'll sweep or they'll wash the dishes afterwards. But it it is a struggle being a single mom with two kids. But I have mastered it where it's not so stressful. Well, what are your hours that you are out in front of your house? 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. I just was thinking, I mean, if you got, if you're a single mom with two kids, how do you manage to have, and I feel like in the past, maybe after the pandemic, you're open even longer than that. Like, how do you manage to be available that long with the kids? It's a matter of in the morning when I'm making the cookies, for example, like dinner, I will prep all the stuff that needs to be done for dinner and get the cookies going. Then when it's dinner time, I take me a quick break from business and I'll put my little bell outside and my little sign that says, please ring the bell for service. And I come in, do my mommy duties, make dinner, make sure homework is done and give them their food and head back outside. And so it's kind of like a juggle. Wow. That is very impressive. I, I have a couple kids and and I, I'm not single and I just can't even imagine. It's just very impressive that you can manage all this stuff and run your business at the same time. So uh, you're an inspiration to a lot of people, I'm sure. 
Yeah, it, I'm persistently stubborn. So even when something feels a bit too much, I don't quit. And so even some days you're like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. I got an order of 300 cookies to do. The kids got homework. I'm like, oh, I need to do laundry. And it's like, I just find a way. It just happens. I don't know how, but I figure out a way to get everything that needs to get done, done. And then I'm like, yes, I can sit back and go, I did all of that. And I saw that, yeah, I mean, you're out there no matter what. It looked like rain or shine. Uh, yes. Hell. It was one, a couple of times it held out there. I'm like, why is it hailing in the middle of the day? But I'm out here in the hell, the cold, the wind, the gusty wind. It was like 20 mile per hour winds to flip my whole canopy over. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm out there. But the rain is not as bad when it's not cold. So it's like the cold winter rain. It's like, ah, but I'm out here. I got my little heater on, got my jacket, and I'm good. So you must have established a pretty good reputation of reliably being out there with cookies. Yes. Everyone, they know. And lately, people are, since the COVID, everyone knows that they can just order it. Even though I already had a website where people can order before, but since everybody was doing a lot of pre-ordering, they have been doing that a lot more so I'm like yay so sometimes I don't actually have to be out or set up to have customers because they know oh it's during the normal business hours she might not be set up but she's still open and then they'll just go to the website send me a text message say I'd like to order this or that and they come pick it up or I go deliver it to them so uh, do you have a pretty good group of regular customers who come by Yes, I do. I have so they're so regular that I remember them by their cookies, and it's like they're like, "Oh, what was that cookie I used to get?" Uh, like it's this one, and they're like, "Oh, yes, that's right, that's the one." But yeah, this wife used to come by all the time, and she could never remember which cookie her husband likes when she's trying to treat him to a cookie. And she goes, "Do you you remember the cookie my husband likes? That's the one I want." I'm like, "Yep, that's the one." And every time I get it right. <laughs> So how many cookies do you manage to sell on a daily basis? It depends on the day. Sometimes I can make between 240 to 350 cookies. Wow. And what are you pricing them at? $3 each. How big are the cookies? Mm, They range in size from about three inches diameter to about maybe four inches. Are they pretty weighty, like heavy cookies? Oh yeah, they got some weight to them. I would say, except for the except for the mo butter, that one's thin and crispy. That one's like almost five inches wide, because that's because it's really thin. So you're making, you know, over about over seven hundred bucks a day. Yep, some days, yeah, and then some days it's slow, and it'll be like I'll make like fifty cookies. And so it kind of balances itself out at the end of the week. I'm like, oh, I made. 50 cookies today, and then tomorrow I'll make 600. And then I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> and you're you're open every day of the week? I am, Monday through Friday. So which weekdays are the biggest in terms of sales, and which ones are the least? Monday and Friday are usually my busiest out the whole week. I find that Friday is everybody trying to get cookies before I'm closed on Saturday. 
And then over the weekend, because I'm closed on Saturday and Sunday, people are like put their orders in. So when Monday comes, it's just a whole bunch of, we didn't have cookies for the weekend. So now we're flooding you on Monday. And then middle of the week is kind of slow. Thursday is the slowest. And so I'm like, ah, today is one of those days where I can do like housework. So in between sales, in between going out, I can make all the cookies I need and still do other stuff around the house on my slow days. And I saw even though you're, you know, a single mom with two kids and you're open five days a week, you know, for what, five hours at least, you also offer delivery? Yes, I offer delivery and I was offering delivery before I had a car. (laughs) I was walking all over the place. It's like people go, do you eat your cookies? Because you look so slim. I'm like, I eat my cookies all the time, but I walk all over Berkeley. And if you've ever been up to the Berkeley Hills, you can you can see why. I burn off 2,100 calories just making a delivery. Wow. Then yes, I, I was offering delivery. I still offer delivery. I have a vehicle now. So but I still walk to some of them. <laughs> You got to charge a lot for, you know, that, that walk. Uh, yeah. Uh, some, some people, I'm like, it pays to get more because I offer free delivery. If you order stuff that's uh, $24 or more, but if you ordering like three cookies, uh, it's a $5 delivery fee. It's just flat $5 for me to just bring it to you. And some people don't mind. It's like, it's weird just for a person to just buy two cookies and they'll pay the delivery fee. And I'm like, you might as well just get more cookies, but I'm not going to complain. I'm going to bring them to you. And your price of $3, is that something you've experimented with? And what was it when you started out? When I first started out, I had a lot of uh, pullback in regards to people like $3 for one cookie. I kind of priced out all the other bakeries and they sell some bakeries sell their cookies for $4.25. Some sell them for three seventy five. There's some that sell them for two fifty. So I said I felt that based off of me breaking down the cost of all of my ingredients and still being able to make a little profit, that three dollars seemed to be fair compared to all the quality ingredients that I use for the cookies. And so people find that if I was in a brick and mortar, no one complained about it when I had a shop of the three. But being in the driveway, they expect them to be a dollar. So sometimes I kind of get $3 for one cookie. I'll just buy one. And then they'll buy one and go, no, turn around, come right back and go, oh, those are really good and buy some more. <laughs> and, and so no one lately, no one's been complaining because they're competitive. My prices are the same as almost everybody else who sells in Berkeley for just a chocolate chip cookie is going to be $3. So why not get a gourmet nut butter cookie like a macadamia cookie and it's three dollars get something different yeah i was gonna say you know your your cookies are so unique you should be able to charge more for them and i would imagine that some of those nuts are a lot more expensive than others but you just charge three dollars flat for all of them that is true uh some of them the uh the prices vary so when it's like for the for example my most expensive one is not the pine nut it's actually the cashew yeah, because I use dry, roasted, salted cashews. When I had first started, I wanted to make sure to be aware of allergens. So I look at all the ingredients, even the ingredients on nuts by themselves. And it turns out that cashews were roasted in peanut oil, which makes no sense to me. But 
I said, we can't have a cashew butter cookie and it has peanuts in it. So we're not going to do that. And I found that dry roasted nuts don't have any other oils, no, no filler oils, no soybean oil, no sunflower seed oil, no other nut oil. It's just the nut. And so the cashews that are dry roasted are very expensive. <laughs> it's like almost $18 a bag. But the flavor is wonderful. <laughs> you would hope so. So you, I know you started with the events, you went to the doing stuff out of in front of your home, but then where'd you go from there? You're looking into a storefront, you tried to get into one. How did that go? Yeah, I tried to get into a storefront a couple of times. The first one was in 2017. I'm like, okay, I got a nice following of customers and making some nice money. I had saved up some money so I can get into a spot to have enough money to for the equipment, like refrigerator, stove, et cetera. And I raised all that money myself selling in my driveway. So I'm like, yay. I inquired into some properties that said they were for lease for rent. And it turns out that they're like, oh, no, we don't want to rent to you. Uh, no, we don't want to rent to you. And I'm like, why? And so I got a lot of red tape and dead ends. And again, the persistently stubborn part comes in. I'm like, oh, you tell me no. I'll keep my money to myself. I'm not going to not sell because you told me no. And so it just took a little bit longer, but eventually in 2019 found a spot that was willing to rent to me as long as I proved that I had six months worth of rent on reserve in my account before they decided to rent to me. And I said, sure. And I ended up uh, renting an establishment, which was nice, except for they left out some key things that was the whole reason why I wanted to get another spot was so I could have a commercial kitchen. And this place was supposed to be converted to have a commercial kitchen. And it was all written down, all promised and all of this stuff that was in the lease. And then afterwards, they kind of was like, oh, well, we changed our mind. We don't really want to do that anymore. La, 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 la. So now I have a storefront and I'm still selling, making the cookies at home and then taking them to the storefront because now I'm locked into this lease. And I'm like, ah, and then COVID. So I'm like, ah, do I keep doing this? Air, let this go. So I ended up letting my shop go and then went back to the driveway. And I was making money in the driveway to pay the rent for the shop over there because the city officials said, hey, all non-essential food places like a bakery have to be closed unless you sell outdoors. And it made no sense for me to pay rent to be on a sidewalk that has no room down away from my house when I can just make the cookies at home and then sell it in my driveway again. And that's kind of where we ended back up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> you had to go back to your home and still pay rent for the storefront. But yes. going back to when you started the storefront, I mean, was that kind of a dream for you to to be, you know, on a street? It, it was definitely the, the first step of where I wanted to move to in the direction I want to be because I didn't, my whole vision is not to actually just rent a spot. I want a full sweetery and so in the end of sweetery I wanted to be able to make my cookies on site make the other things I want to add to my line like the fudge and the brittle and be able to make all of those things on something that I own and so baby steps getting up to that would be renting a spot and getting the more building more following getting more people coming in be more awareness of the company so we can save money to get to the next spot that's mine and it's just having the shop taking away the money that 
wasn't going to be able to be made because it's very limited when I only have a regular residential oven. So my profits are limited as well because I can't make as many cookies as I could in a commercial oven versus my regular oven. And so having them take back what they promised to do kind of put me at a disadvantage. So it's like, okay, now I'm making the same amount of money I would in my driveway in my shop. Only difference now is half of my profits goes to rent. (laughs) And so now we're like, that's not what I wanted to do. The shop itself was nice. I ended up painting the building myself because they didn't do that. This is fine because I like to paint and they just subtracted it from the amount of rent. I was like, it was just a lot of stuff that was just unnecessary that took away the fun of finally being able to say, I got my first shop. And I was like, yes, I was there. I let all of my people know. I was like, we're no longer in the driveway. We're over here now. And they're like, yes, we're so happy for you. And they all came to support. New customers found me because they're like, oh, we never knew about you. We'll go to the other cookie shop. And they're like, you know, there's another cookie shop. I'm like, I know. They got the shop that I wanted last year. <laughs> they told me they didn't want cookies at this particular shop. The owner didn't want to convert the spot into a bakery and that's why they denied my application for renting that spot and then a couple of months later it gets turned into an actual bakery and it's like okay I don't get it it's like you guys literally did the exact same thing I had wanted to do and the people sell cookies too so it's like wow (laughs) this is very questionable behavior that out of all the places to sell cookies they happen to get the same spot that I had just inquired in and now there are cookies there but it's okay because they don't have what I have and my customers went in there to inquire and it's always interesting when I made myself my cookies so complicated so filled in all the boxes if you can say that it would be so difficult for anyone to want to copy me. Or, and if they were to figure out how to make it, when they look at the prices on some of the ingredients, they wouldn't be able to just, they're not, not going to want to do that to discourage anyone from copycats because people do that. And they tried it. There's people like, they tried to make a walnut cookie and it literally had like a couple of pieces of walnuts on top. And I was like, wow. And I only knew this because my customer had saw the cookie shop and remembered I was going to get that cookie shop and then they're like oh we went in there and it's like it's not you but it's someone else selling cookies but they bought the cookie and brought it to me and showed me I'm like I don't know why they brought it to show me but they're like here look at this look what I got they're they're copying you I'm like that's not a copy (laughs) that's just a regular cookie with walnuts I said that's not a nut that's not a us it doesn't advertise that it's being a nut butter cookie it's just a walnut cookie but a sugar cookie with walnuts and then they undersell me (laughs) that's fine too because my customers if they want what they want people go where they go I it's like it's enough people where we don't have to undercut each other and there's enough people who like what they like and people go where they want to go and so we don't have to steal customers from others to do that and I find that my customers come to me when they want to get a cookie they want to save 25 cents then they can go to the other spot and get their cookies. I don't have a problem with that. Or they can spend an extra 25 cent for $3 and then get my cookies. It's like, it's a, it's a difference of 25 cent. It's not that big of a difference. That's the only challenge I've been having lately is them. I'm like, I don't know why, but during COVID, 
I was still open because of my licensing that requires me to have certain packaging and a certain way to have to sell my stuff and disclose certain uh, ingredients. I was already prepared to doing the outdoor, the mobile vending, the setup breakdown. I was prepared for all of that because I had already, I'm used to it. So when COVID hit and everybody was all struggling, trying to figure out how to stay open, how to transform from being indoors to outdoors, where they're all trying to figure that out. I was already doing it. So I was like, yay. So all the other bakeries that were trying to undercut me all closed because they couldn't figure out how to adjust and adapt to the new way of selling cookies during the pandemic. But I was like, I'm thriving. I was like, yay, look at me. So you were doing better than ever after COVID hit? Yes, during COVID, it was sad because all of the funding that was available, I was denied for because I did better in COVID time than I did the previous year. And so it was there like, oh, because you made more money than you made last year, you don't qualify for this because it's for people who are struggling during COVID. I'm like, well, technically we were, but we still did better. And it's like, wow, it's a lot of red tape and small print all over the place. And you don't find out about none of that until you get ready to inquire and you're told, no, you don't, you don't qualify for this because you don't have more than two employees but you're still a business you have a business license you have a health permit you have a zoning certificate you have everything businesses have but you don't have any employees so you don't qualify it's like oh okay <laughs> it's like hmm. but that's okay because I am like I said I'm very good at getting around all of this red tape and making it happen I feel like as I hear more of your story. I hear a common theme of persistence and just overcoming a lot of obstacles. Have there been any other obstacles that you faced getting this going? Oh, yeah. I faced a lot of different obstacles. It's like even, let's just say, back in 2017, I had got a flu shot that went wrong. I was convinced, oh, let's go get a flu shot because you're going to be exposed to people. It's flu season, la, la, la. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'll do that. But it ends up the person who gave me the vaccine, he injected it in the wrong spot. And so he injected it into my bursa sac. So I ended up losing the whole left use of my, my left arm, the whole arm, which is, it was dead, basically. I was like, wow. It turns out I had a severe case of uh, brucitis in my left shoulder due to the improper injection. And I had six months of physical therapy to regain mobility back in my arm. And it's like, I can't even do anything right now. I can't even hug my kids. I can't do my hair. I can't clean the house. I can't bake. Like I can't even hold my mixing bowl or nothing. It was just like, it was terrible. I felt so discouraged. It's like, what am I going to do? It was like, how am I going to take care of me and my kids? It was like the money I had saved up to get to the next stage was like, yeah, I'm so glad I finally saved up enough for all the equipment I need. And then that arm injury and now like had to dip into living off of that for until it was almost all gone while I'm going through physical therapy so I can get my arm back right again. And it's still not quite right. Even when it's cold, it'll start having phantom pains all over again. I just got to fight through it. Wow, that's crazy. And I saw that you, somebody 
tried turning you in for being illegal at one point? Yes, I, I think I know for a fact that it definitely was my next door neighbor because over the years, I find that they like to complain. He's like one of those grumpy pants. Uh, that's what I call him. Kind of like a Scrooge where if something is, people are laughing. Stop all that laughing. Why are you laughing so loud type of person? I didn't know that person was that way because I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I felt that being neighborly, because that's where I'm from, Bakersfield, people are neighborly. So if you had a problem with me selling cookies in my own driveway and we were laughing too loud, then I felt that he could have said something to me instead of calling the police on me and then making up a story to get the police to come. And so when the police come, they're like, oh, we heard this on when you were selling it illegally. Do you have permission to be here? And I'm like, permission to be here? I don't, I didn't understand. I'm like, what do you mean have permission to be here? I live here. And they're like, oh, can you prove that you live here? And it just was a whole, I showed them my ID, just showed that I live here. And it's just a whole unnecessary hassle. And the cops are like, well, are these regular cookies? And I'm like, yes. Well, it's a, that's a technical question because I make non-traditional cookies. So I don't want to be smart about it because they're not regular. But I think he was implying where they had or they edibles without actually just saying are these edibles and so it was just kind of a weird situation but the cookie itself was like so good because this officer that came to inquire about the complaint of the noise complaint and the officer I gave him a cookie the pistachio butter cookie and he was sitting in his car and he was eating his cookie and he comes back over and he's like, oh, this is a really good cookie. And he's like, you've got a customer for life. And it kind of uh, backfired on the person who called. I don't know if they just wanted me to shut down just because they just didn't want me there. Or they were really concerned about the laughing. Because we were really laughing because I'm funny. And we were just cracking up. And I don't know. But that officer told all the other officers. And so it was very interesting to see a police cars constantly pulling over getting cookies because I have curbside service. And so you fight, see fire engine pulling over and police cars. And it's, it's, it's funny to me. It's still, I, I still never get used to seeing them pull over and they're like, hey, can I get two of these or two of those? It's like, oh, sure. <laughs> okay. It's like free security because sometimes they'll come and sit at night when I'm out there and they'll be eating their cookie while they're on a break. And if someone looks like they're uh, up to no good or deterred from doing anything illegal in the presence of the police so it's nice to have them sitting around sometimes so the cops eat a lot of cookies huh yes berkeley cops don't eat donuts they eat cookies now i did see that you started a fundraiser can you talk a little bit about that yeah back during covid i wanted to do my part to give back because i felt that a lot of my customers were helping me along they were doing a lot of the who do you know that needs some help type things. So when I started the uh, comfort cookies for caregivers and I was watching the news, there were a lot of people giving out free meals from restaurants. So and people were buying from the restaurants to stay afloat, but no one was offering any dessert because all the dessert places were all closed up except for me. And so I said, Hey, we can do a little fundraiser. It will also keep us afloat. And people can get cookies. So I donated to a couple of uh, little community centers, little clinics. And I donated some to the hospital. 
and the nurses that would come to my establishment, they got free cookies. Doctors who came by, they got free cookies. So it, it, it turned out it was really nice that people were donating. I was like, yes, I, I was able to stay afloat and give back at the same time. So it was nice and build more awareness that people who didn't even know about us was like, oh, here's a new company. I'm like, not really new, but I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, that's cool. And I see that you're trying to expand your product line. Yes, I wanted to keep the nut things going. And again, doing something different than everybody else is like people have cookies, ice cream. I'm like, I don't want cookies and ice cream. I want cookies and candy. I'm like, my other two favorite things, fudge, nut fudges, and nut brittles. So I'm like, hey, where can you go to get a nice piece of fresh fudge anywhere in this Bay Area? And that comes to mind. It's going to be difficult to, for other people to find those things. So they have no choice but to get them from me. And I have a family recipe. <laughs> from your great, great, great grandmother? <laughs> no, it's from my grand auntie. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. It might have came from her, her grandmother or her grandmother. I'm not sure. But I know for a fact that it was her fudge and her brittles that she used to make. Keep that going. And I said, oh, I can make that recipe and incorporate a lot of the new nuts because she only made peanut butter brittle and that was it it was the best peanut butter brittle ever and i said i can so make this peanut butter brittle because you want a brittle to be crispy because sometimes when you bite into it it's really really hard if they don't make it right and then sometimes you bite into it and it's chewy and it's not how it's supposed to be her brittle was always right at the perfect of crispiness just enough crunch where it's not where it's crunchy but it's not going to break your teeth type crunchy and so I'm looking forward to adding that to the line. Hopefully this fall, I can introduce the first two flavors of the brittle and the fudge. Um, and I meant to ask you about your packaging. It looked pretty unique. Yes, the packaging, uh, I am compliant. They are compostable biodegradable bags. And so they're they're green and it's nice, but they keep the they preserve the freshness of the quality of the cookies so i can make a cookie in the morning put them in those bags and they'll last two days without the, changing the flavor of the cookie and then they're, because they're good you can just take the label off throw it in your compost bin or throw it in the recycle where do you get those bags from and how much do they cost <sighs> i buy them online and let's see last price check was uh twelve dollars a a case, which is not a lot, but I use a lot of cases, so it adds up. Well, how how many of these pouches are in a case? Uh, you get about a hundred. And where do you remember where online you buy them from? Oh yeah, I get them from a company called uh, Nashville Wraps. I've been using that company since my old company. I've been using them for years. So over the last six years that you've been running this business, are there any moments that really stand out to you? You know, I have to say there was this one moment last year when I was figuring out what our next moves were going to be during the pandemic. And being able to adjust was one thing. But when the store started putting rations on what I could buy, it was like, okay, now here's now reality has kicked in. I can't buy more than one butter because I'm hoarding it. I can't buy a big bag of sugar anymore because they're rationing it. 
And so it was nice that the community was all like, what can we help you do? We don't want nothing but our cookies to go under like all these other companies. What can we do? And I told people like, well, only thing I really need help with right now is like trying to find another spot to find flour, eggs, and sugar because I can't even make the cookies. I figured out where I can go to back to the driveway to sell these cookies, but now I can't even buy ingredients because they won't let me buy more than one box of butter at a time. And so it was really touching that a lot of my neighbors all chipped in and I had woke up one day to a knock at the door and there was like butter and there was bags of flour and sugar, just small little bags that people all just donated to me. I was like, oh, I was like tears. <laughs> I felt really loved. I felt the community loved me for, for reals. It, it was nice. Yeah, it's very cool. And, and back when, the pandemic hit and you went back to selling in front of your home. And now that you know how everything turned out, do you regret moving into your own storefront a few months earlier? Cause it sounds like it became kind of an expensive decision. I no, I don't make any regrets in life. I find that everything's a learning lesson. And I find that having that shop only made me more aware for the next shop that it needs to have everything already in it. So can't no one pull a fast one and say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this and then change your mind later. And so that is what I've learned from that. And so for me, it was an experience, but it was really good experience, too, because it was nice to be able to have the recognition. It was like, oh, you were in the driveway. You've been working hard to get to this point and you're finally made it to this point. It's just unfortunate that as soon as you made it to this point, a global pandemic took place and you kind of let that point go. but we can always get back there again. Well, moving forward, where do you see this business going? <sighs> the main goal for Nut and Butter Cookies is having my own establishment. And when I say that is my customers are already ready for it, but spoiler, I've been working on trying to get a drive through And that is what I wanted to have and that is the official goal. So it's not just the actual bakery where people just come in and get stuff, which they can. But I want to have it where people can walk up to a window, get their stuff like foster freeze, or you can kind of come in like Winter Snitzel and just do a little drive through. And it's just nothing but cookies and stuff that goes with the cookies. Like, where can you go at 10 o'clock at night to get some fresh fake cookies and candy and a, and a milk and just drive through? You don't even have to get out. So that is the end goal that I'm taking baby steps to get toward. And we're getting there. We're getting there eventually. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like you've overcome a lot to get to this point. And there's certainly a lot of roadblocks that stood in your way. What keeps you moving forward in this journey? Why are you so passionate about this business? I find that you do what makes you happy and baking makes me happy. This behind the scenes red tape that most people don't know about is just my own personal thing that I have to deal with. But being able to do what I love doing every day motivates me. And my kids see their mother, my boys, they see mom. It's like, look, mom's not a quitter. Mom goes after what she wants and she does that. So that is what I'm teaching them that, Whatever you want to do. They always tell you, you can do whatever you want to be. You can be wherever you want to be. All those things when you're growing up. But a lot of people don't really do it. And I find that for me, I'm like, look, I wanted to be a baker. I wanted to invent something that makes people happy. Baking makes me happy. That is what I want to do. And 
No one's going to stop me from doing that. If I was baking with one arm, I'm out there in the rain. I'm going to do it because I am passionate about it. And I'm not going to stop doing it just because it gets hard. It just makes me want to do it more because eventually it's not going to always be hard. Well, I would say it's impressive what you have accomplished thus far, and I'm looking forward to seeing where you go in the future. Um, But thanks for coming on the show today. If people would like to learn more about you or um, reach out, how can they get in touch? Uh, The easiest way is to go to the website. It has all the information, all the social medias, the phone numbers, how to order, and the website is www.nutandbuttercookies.com. All right. Yeah. And I see links uh, to your social pages down at the bottom of the website and a way to contact you. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us today. All right. Thank you for having me. That wraps up another episode of the Forger podcast. For more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 47. And if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. A review is the best way to support the show and will help others find it as well. And finally, if you're thinking about selling your own homemade food, check out my free mini course where I walk you through the steps you need to take to get a cottage food business off the ground. To get the course, go to cottagefoodcourse.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.